0: We have a special guest on today's Locked On Nittany Lions. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Underdog. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com with promo code LOCKEDON and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. My name is Zach Saco. I'm your host of Locked on Nittany Lines, And it is truly a privilege because for the first time I get to invite on a special guest. And I know him as Matt Freiler, went to school with him. A lot of you know him as Matty Fresh, the artist behind Trace McSorley, Jahan Dotson and Saquon Barkley. Those songs, just to name a few, uh, is joining us on the episode today. Matt, thanks so much for your time.
1: Yeah, and Thanks for having me, Zach. It's, uh, it'll be nice to get to talk to you without too much of a time constraint. I know a lot of the times that we've gotten together recently, it's been real quick points, but... Uh Excited to hash things out with you on a little bit of a deeper take a little bit of a zoom in today. That'll be that'll be
0: good. I want your thoughts on the Northwestern game. We're going to preview Michigan, just give everybody a week in advance of what to expect from the Wolverines and what they've been up to. Uh, And they do play Indiana tomorrow Uh, and the potential of this Penn State football team. We're going to finish with that. They have a very important three game stretch here in October and then. If they come out of it pretty strong, who knows where they could end up finishing? That's just my initial point here. Let's start with Northwestern. Uh, the game was 17-7. to I mean, and that's been the conversation all week and all of the bits and pieces of news. We saw Keziah Izzard come back into the game. We now know Smith-Vilbert's not available, so that's specifically the defensive line, the four fumbles between Nicholas Singleton, Katron Allen, and Keevon Lee. No more Devin Ford uh, with Smith-Bilbert not being available. Uh, Devin Ford steps away from the team. So there's a lot that's really unraveled here uh, just from the Northwestern game itself. I I said this week, whether it's talking to colleagues, friends, talking professionally over the radio or on locked on Nittany lions is that I was not concerned about this game in the slightest, even though the final looks pretty ugly.
1: Yeah, me neither. I mean, what can you really take from it? I think one of the, the bigger points to make is that coming into the Northwestern game throughout the week, um, I feel like Penn state fans and, and maybe even some national media looking at this game, weather forecast aside, It almost feels like there was more conversation, Zach, about would Drew Aller get in and when uh, versus what would actually happen in this game, right? Like, Northwestern was very overlooked. I think this game closed as, what, a 23-and-a-half point spread. Um, Those of us who, you know, aren't college football casuals and cover this sport and, and really look into these numbers, you just had to know that number was way too big weather forecast aside, and and that was uh, an opportunity. I would never bet against my team, but that's an opportunity for a lot of people to make some money on Northwestern. And if you look at just the Big Ten in general, I think I was looking at it today, underdogs in conference games are 5-5 five and five against the spread, um, which is surprising considering you look at the rest of the country and uh, favorites have been covering at a pretty large clip. Uh, not in the Big Ten, dead even on underdogs versus favorites. So, you know, just some examples of that. You had Maryland-Michigan uh, game. Purdue beats Minnesota outright. You know, there was a couple others in there that... Um, Illinois, last week, as a favorite. So, yeah, I mean, I think that sometimes we underestimate the conference game, is my point, right? Um, Northwestern still played a really tough game, and I think that what James Franklin said to Pat Fitzgerald as they're shaking hands getting off the field, said, hey, you guys, you know, play the hell of a game. And I think that... That's pretty much all you can take from it. Northwestern played tough, but they could not capitalize when Penn State turned over the ball. Um, And when you look at Penn State, I continue to be impressed with this rush defense. Top five in the country. Uh, And that's going against Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter, the two-headed monster down in Auburn. That's going against Lou Nichols, who led the nation in rushing last year for Central Michigan. And now Evan Hall, who has put up huge numbers against Nebraska and Even in the past game, he's been effective. So it's not like competition that the Nittany Lions have faced. And this is a top-five rush defense. This is incredible what they've been able to do up front. I mean, they're only allowing 79.6 yards rushing a game and only three rush touchdowns. That's less than three yards a carry, Zach. So um, that's the biggest takeaway I would have from it. Obviously not pretty on offense. um, But anybody who wants to make that argument about Sean Clifford versus Drew Aller going into Michigan week, I mean, we need to put this to rest. This is Sean Clifford's team course they have not looked as well offensively against central michigan and northwestern as they did against auburn that's to be expected obviously one and zero is really hard to do uh getting a win in conference is really hard to do and and i'm just going to leave it at that for this week um as far as i'm not concerned either with with only winning by 10
0: to add some perspective to that, Matt, and you bring up all the points you brought up were excellent. Uh, Northwestern, the reason it got to minus twenty-eight at any point in time for Penn State is because you look at the Wildcats' resume, and yeah, they're a Big Ten team. Um, I don't, I don't know that they could have necessarily been any more overlooked, uh, only because. They lost to a winless FCS team in Southern Illinois. You lost to a MAC opponent in Miami of Ohio without Brett Gabbert, Blaine Gabbert's younger brother, but actually is, really go- is a really good MAC player. He's not in that game, and they lose that game at home. They lose to Duke a few weeks back beforehand. Uh, So, Northwestern being a four touchdown underdog, uh, I I think is pretty fair. It just, I think the conditions definitely bailed out Northwestern. Uh, It shows how bad of a team that they truly are. I know they had three turnovers of their own, but when you force five turnovers, or let's say, I mean, I don't know if they necessarily force them, but um, when you come up with five takeaways and you still lose the game by double digit points, you are that bad. Yeah. And Northwestern's just kind of the uh, bottom feeder of the Big Ten this year. I think that Pat Fitzgerald still knows how to motivate the team. Um, I think that he has good talent around them. They returned four starters on the offensive line, and you bring up Penn State's uh, defensive line. Uh, I've been critical of them because they haven't gotten sacks. Like, for a a period of time, Johnny Dixon, the cornerback, led the team in sacks until denied Dennis Sutton, had some late against Central Michigan. And... They just dominated the line of scrimmage against a respectable Northwestern offensive line. One guy, Peter Skaranski, on the left side, you know this, is a top 15 NFL draft pick going into next year. So Northwestern isn't a slouch when it comes to uh, ground and pound, even though they've been passing the ball a little more with Ryan Holinsky, and I think it's because they've they've played from behind, honestly. Uh, But Evan Hall's a a dual threat uh, with the rock in his hand, whether that's going up the middle, or that's uh, being uh, checked down or being involved out in the passing game, running legitimate routes. So I think that the biggest, other than the fact that Penn State had great run defense against Northwestern, I'm going to add that they can win ugly now, because this 2021 team would not have won the game against Northwestern. It would have been Illinois 2.0, because they had the capability to say, okay, you're going to try to play keep away from us and run the football, We can do that now with Singleton and Katron Allen. And I'd throw Lee in there as well, but Singleton and Allen are obviously better when they're not fumbling the football.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a great point you make about Illinois last year. Uh, Penn State in that game, I think it was in regulation, either regulation or maybe the first overtime with an opportunity to win um, for as great as Jaquan Brisker was over the years, dropped an interception, that would have sealed it. Um, Just... Little plays like that, right, the little things. And going back to Northwestern game, that happened on the goal line stand. Uh, That is not a stop they make in years prior, right? And they certainly didn't against Illinois last year when they gave over 300 yards rushing.
0: Well, and here's Uh, here's the difference. Uh, Illinois had a possession time of 36 minutes. Last year, Penn State had that against Northwestern. They had 37 minutes. So that's what I'm saying. The script is flipped now. Penn State can run the ball on you. They can dictate the pace of the game against you. And you didn't have that. I'm not going to count 2020. You definitely didn't have it then. But last year, when it was really needed, they couldn't go to, they were going to bubble screens to Parker Washington as their run game.
1: Yeah. And like I said, through five games, I mean, I think some of the major question marks that we potentially had going into the, the preseason and into camp was obviously the running game. Well, they've fixed that. They've got 192 yards a game with Singleton and Allen and, and some contributions from Kayvon Lee as well. And then, obviously, the rush defense, I think, was a question. I think, especially the linebackers, I think, um, you know, P.J. Mustafer had to get his feet under him a little bit um, in the last month or so, and, and he has. And it's he's huge. done a great job the last two weeks. And um, the linebackers were a question. And James Franklin said it himself in, in camp. And i don't really care who your linebackers are if you're only giving up 79.6 yards per game against the competition that i talked about it's not a michigan schedule right where you're playing three of the worst 10 teams in the country to open the season these are some really good running backs that they had faced and they've done a great job so um for for the questions that may still remain at linebacker and and in the front seven in entirety this is that they're overperforming, in my opinion. I think PJ Mustafer's is at the center of it, and he continues to get better, and he's going to have to have a career game against Michigan.
0: This is Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host Zach Seiko with special guest Maddie Fresh. When we return, we preview the Michigan game a little bit early. They have Indiana tomorrow, uh, but next Saturday, October the fifteenth, is the one that everyone has circled up in Ann Arbor. It's a big noon kick. We'll talk about it next here on Locked On Nittany Lions. This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up the college football season. It is easy to get started and easy to play while you watch your favorite team. And it's available in over 30 states. Just pick between 2 and 5 players across any team, not just your team, and decide if they will finish higher or lower than their stat projection. It's one of the easiest fantasy games to play out there and you can win cold, hard cash in a single game. Sign up with the promo code On. that's one word, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. So you deposit $100, you get $100 free. Go to UnderdogFantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or the Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy. Promo code LOCKED ON. One word, LOCKED ON. This is Locked On Nittany Lions. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I am Zach Seiko, your host, with special guest Matty Fresh. And I really appreciate your time, Matt, uh, coming on to the show, Uh, talking about Northwestern. Now we shift gears to the Wolverines. And I think everyone's tired uh, of the Wildcats at this point. It was an ugly 17-7 game. Uh, There were things to be impressed with, but... Just oddly enough, it felt like there were a lot of ramifications that did come from that game, and we didn't even get to talk about the Keandre Lambert-Smith injury, and we don't know how severe it is, Um, because James Franklin doesn't let anybody know. I mean, we had to poke and pry just to get Smith-Vilbert and what his availability was. Um, And now we know that he's not available for the season. And he was on the scout practice team, which I thought was so strange. He's been practicing this whole time, and I thought he was injured. But uh, it's clearly a personal matter, and I respect James Franklin for protecting his players in this regard. But when you're trying to cover the team, it is a little annoying, I might say. Uh, But I am excited to talk to you about Michigan, and I think that's where KLS uh, can factor into this one because – Penn State's pass catchers are going to have to be ready to go uh, against the Wolverines here. Uh, And and Trey Wallace, I'm going to eventually ask you uh, what he'll be able to contribute against Michigan if he is called upon uh, and throughout the rest of the season, depending on Keandre Lambert Smith's availability. But. The reason I'm excited to talk about this Michigan game with you is because I know how much you've been harping on them for not playing a legitimate schedule that they get to open with a three-game preseason, uh, but Penn State's got to go into a blackout against Purdue, a Big Ten game to open up the season.
1: And listen, I understand that it's not it's not Michigan's fans' fault. It's not Jim Harbaugh's fault. It's not the players' fault, but it's somebody's fault, right? This is pathetic. This is a Fisher-Price schedule, and Michigan's overinflated because of it. We all could have looked at this schedule and said they're going to be 6-0. and And not only 6-0, and they got a month without leaving their backyard to start the season, right? They take their first road trip to Iowa. Now they're on the road at Indiana, two teams who are a little down. I just, you know, Jim Harbaugh stands up there at media days and, and answers a question about it like he doesn't know where the reporter is coming from. It was a simple question. Why is there no power five teams on your schedule? And he stands up there, and he looks like he doesn't know how to answer that question. It's a very simple answer. Michigan got schedule preference. And it, when we're going into talking about playoffs and Big Ten championships, that absolutely matters. Absolutely matters. And you can't look at their body of work so far and say that it's been anywhere near as tough as Penn State's. It's not even close. Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn, three of the worst 10 teams in the country. And you did have a tough environment playing in Iowa, and they were able to control that game. And um, it seems like they kind of fell asleep late in the fourth, and Iowa was able to put up some points there and in a little bit of a comeback effort and try to sneak a backdoor cover. But – no, I, I personally don't think it's right, A, for Michigan to not have to play a Power 5 team, and B, for Penn State consistently every single year to have to open Big Ten conference play on the road. I think it's, what, eight out of nine years now? And I think, again, next – I don't know if the Big Ten schedule is out for next year. I don't think it is. But I wouldn't doubt to see it nine out of ten. Uh, and schedule matters. And you're going to have a Penn State team that has thankfully remained fairly healthy – for the schedule that they've had to face, right? I think that's some of the things that we're concerned about. Having to go to Purdue and Auburn in the course of three weeks, right? These 26 days act that they've got in Happy Valley are going to be huge. And that's where they can gain an advantage on Michigan. So the buy is rightly placed uh, for a guy like Keandre Lambert-Smith and even Kevon Lee, who I don't think is 100% to get back and get ready. And, and, and even a guy like PJ Mustafer, who might be closer to 100% now. So It absolutely matters, and when you look at a Michigan team that is going to be 6-0, and I personally don't think if you were ranking teams every single week from a standpoint of who have you beaten this year, throw it all out last year, I don't think they would even be in the top ten. So it's important to remember that.
0: Yeah, oddly enough, I don't think if Michigan was playing Michigan's schedule, uh, if somebody else was, like let's take a Kansas, for example, uh, because we know how much the uh, the national voters hate Kansas, the media, (laughs) how much they hate the Jayhawks, and they'd be unranked a lot of other teams would be unranked. It's kind of the same thing with some other SEC schools that are, are really high up. It's like, well, if they had the same resume uh, as somebody else, I don't know that uh, that they would be ranked as high because Michigan truly has played some of the worst teams. I think those, four, those three schools, Yukon, Colorado State, and Hawaii, may combine for... What, three wins, four wins total? I, that's that's pretty sad to say. I had high hopes for Taequann Roberson at Connecticut, but we know that he's out for the season. He suffered an injury in the first game against Utah State, just as a side note for Nittany Lion fans. But Michigan basically gets to go, uh and, and they just have luck in the Big Ten schedule as well. I mean, Iowa's not that good. Indiana, I think, is really bad. They're probably down at the same level as Northwestern.
1: And let me preface with, with this. I, I respect Michigan football. Okay. They are a force to be reckoned with. But remember, even against Maryland in week four, opening kickoff bounces off the face mask of the Maryland returner. Michigan sets up inside the 10, scores in one play. The final score of that game is a one touchdown deficit. So you take, I'm not saying that's a fluke because special teams matter. But you take bounce of ball away, right, which is something we always talk about, bounce of ball. You take bounce of ball away, and that's a, that game's going to overtime, right? So one little mistake by a Maryland returner allows them to go down 7-0, and Maryland still fought. I just think if you, look, right, if you looked at Michigan's full body of work at this point in the season from a standpoint of not just a blind resume, right, they don't impress anything they really don't. So um, I think Penn State athletically is faster than this Michigan football team. I don't know about bigger. I don't know about stronger. That's going to be interesting to see. I think that might be about even, and it's going to be a very physical game, but I do. I think Penn State is the faster team and speed absolutely matters. Everybody talked about the SEC speed down in Auburn. We we're clearly the faster team in that game. And I think I wasn't so confident, Zach, about our defensive line going up against that really tough offensive line from Michigan going into the season, but they've done enough for me in five games to make me think that they can hold their own and they may be even able to win the battle in the trenches against Michigan.
0: Yeah, we know that Michigan's big up front, and I talked about this a little bit yesterday in Locked on Nittany Line. So for any listeners who are hearing this one, go back and check out the previous episode, because I started to get into some of the assets for Michigan, and I I will bring them up. We don't have the time to go through every single one, uh, but when I devote that scouting report wholly to Michigan, uh, I'll be able to. J.J. McCarthy is the starting quarterback. We know how good Blake Corum is. Uh, they they went ahead and benched Cade McNamara to go back to McCarthy, um, and McNamara ends up getting hurt. So now it truly is J.J. McCarthy's job. Um, they have good wide receivers, uh, some pretty solid ones. Ronnie Bell, who missed all of last year, I think he got hurt in the first game is their leading receiver now, and, and why not? He should be your favorite weapon if he's on any any team at this point in college football. Uh, the offensive line is really big. Uh, the defense lost their three top playmakers, and I think this is going to be a big difference for Penn State um, because the question marks aren't around the defense for the Nittany Lions they're always about the offense whether it's Sean Clifford or the offensive line or can the running backs carry the football who's Sean Clifford gonna throw to now that Jahan Dotson's not around like nobody's really uh stepped up other than Brenton Strange and Parker Washington has looked good but no one's been that Jahan Dotson type uh if you will and I know I, I'm not expecting anybody to be but can one of those guys take over a game if need be and you're starting to get into that competition where you might just need that uh but Aiden Hutchinson who affected the game last year. He either had three or four sacks against Penn State and tormented Caden Wallace. He is not in this game. He's with the Detroit Lions now. Ojabo is no longer with the Michigan Wolverines. He got hurt leading up to the NFL draft. That's besides the point, but he affected the game against Penn State last year. And Dax Hill, the starting safety, went into the draft as well. So you lose your three best playmakers defensively. Also, what you want to know what's important, Matt, and you know this: they don't have either of their coordinators back. Josh Gaddis went to Miami to take the same position, and their defensive coordinator left as well. So, with the with the cupcake schedule that they played, and Penn State having a bye week, and all these changes that you don't know affect uh, how they affect the locker room, especially the quarterback situation and Harbaugh almost went to Minnesota. He almost took the Vikings contract, and he came back. How Are the players even going to play for him at this point, knowing that he was that close with pen in hand signing that contract?
1: Yeah, I think he hasn't bought in, but I think for Michigan players this year, I think it's more of just coming up short, right? Last year, they probably feel like they played their worst game of the season against Georgia uh, in the college football playoff, and – There are a lot of returning players on this team who I think still have a bad taste in their mouth, and and that's been their motivation for this year. Obviously, Josh Gattis was the coordinator of the year right, in college football last year. Things didn't work out there. He ends up at Miami. Um, I frankly don't know how much better J.J. McCarthy is than Cade McNamara. I would like to think that in a game like this, you would rely on experience from a guy who um, has started a lot more in Cade McNamara, but obviously they're going to roll with McCarthy and I love it because if you can get J.J. McCarthy in third and long, that's right where you want him. I said it against Auburn. You need to get their quarterbacks in these third and long situations, and it's going to be really tough for them against that secondary and Tim Brown who just sits back there and is an absolute ball magnet, and some of the guys that we have in that secondary need to force those third and longs, and we need to get Sean Clifford in rhythm, right? Um, He hinted at uh, in his press conference after the Northwestern game that he wasn't able to get in a rhythm. And I think that's something that, as Penn State fans and people who cover the team, we've been able to take a look at Sean Clifford, and even if it's like a rocket screen or, you know, a quick completion, check down to Brenton Strange, whatever, if he gets a couple of completions to start the drive, it always looks vastly different for him uh, the rest of the day. And he is a rhythm quarterback, right? Uh, When things start to go wrong, as they did against Northwestern, you can even point to points in that Central Michigan game, right? Right. The offense just seems out of sorts uh, when the rhythm is off. So you need to come out against Michigan. You need to get those completions. And if they can put together a game similar to they did, uh, I point to last year on the road at Ohio State, right? Sean Clifford's in rhythm. He's finding open receivers. Um, It seems like Mitchell Pinsley and Parker Washington are more than enough, right? I think Keandre Lambert-Smith, if he's not able to go, that could hurt Penn State. Yep. Um, to try to have to extend the field. I think he might be the fastest receiver they have. Um, but when you look at Mitchell Tinsley and Parker Washington, I mean, these guys are constantly open. And then you have a threat like Brenton Strange, who has, who has more touchdowns receiving than anybody else on the team currently. So, yeah, I, I think Penn State's passing game is going to be okay. And if you're able to balance that with a good run game, I do. I think Penn State could put – you know, 24 to 30 points on the board. So when you look at Michigan, can they score that many points in, in against a Penn State defense that is allowing less than 80 yards rushing and against a secondary with NFL talent everywhere? going to be really tough.
0: Let's finish with this, Matt, before we talk about the potential of this Penn State team in our next segment. I was going to ask you what you thought the spread was going to be for Penn State versus Michigan, and it came out yesterday. Uh, It was plus 5.5 everywhere else. DraftKings had it at plus 9. I was anticipating plus 4.5, but at the end of the day, I really think Michigan gets a reality check here, and Penn State wins this outright. So if you like the spread, uh, you have my blessing. Please do take that. But what are your thoughts on a 5.5 and and then DraftKings' crazy 9 number?
1: Well, I think you've seen a lot this year, and when you look at early totals, and, and now obviously this one being you know nine days out from even happening, we're getting a spread already. That's incredible. Um, I, I do. I think it's just a, a matter of favorites being gobbled up early in the market, and when you monitor these lines every day across college football, it always seems like the favorites continue to gain ground, and that number just goes up and up and up, so I think that's Vegas throwing a little bit of a bone to some of the um, people who may be very high on Michigan. And let me tell you, Zach, there are a lot of people who are sharps, as you would call them in college football, who believe Michigan will make the college football playoff. Um, They believe Michigan's a top four team. Uh, They don't look at the schedule and put too much into it. They still think that, when the lights go on, this team is going to be able to um, be 11-0, and 0, right, going into that Ohio State game. So if you have an opportunity to give a number that might be over a touchdown, I think some people are confident enough in Michigan to take that. But um, Penn State is a team that was not ranked in the top 25 to start the season, right? Um, people will think I'm overzealous for saying this, when Penn State beat Purdue, that is when I learned that they were a top 10 team. And that's not biased. Um, if you look at the adjusted spread uh, for what Vegas did after Penn State beat Purdue, and you look at the whole picture, they would have been favored against a lot of the top 25 for several weeks on a neutral field. right? And that's all that matters at the end of the day. right? The AP top 25 is irrelevant. So I do. I think that Penn state's been underrated while I'm not, I'm not going to say Michigan's overrated. I'm not going to go that far. I think we're going to learn a lot uh, on October 15th, obviously, but there is not a single person who watches college football that can say Penn state was not underrated. The AP now has them at 10. (laughs) I still think it's a little low. I think, I think seven, eight range, but you know, just grasping at straws there, but I do. I think that this team continues the underdog mentality, and I absolutely love it being a nine point underdog or whatever draftkings opened at. I'm sure the line will settle and come back down to earth probably somewhere around six and a half or seven, right? Um, but yeah, this team thrives on 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 being in this position. Uh, this team should not have started the year on rank, and I think a lot of people are realizing that pretty quickly.
0: And you teased it a little bit, but we are going to talk about the potential of this Penn State team. So, yeah, there's Michigan on October 15th, the next game with the bye week here. Uh, Minnesota, Ohio State, Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers, Michigan State in that order. Uh, I am Zach Saco, your host of Locked on Nittany Lines with special guest Maddie Fresh. When we return, we talk about that next, what this Penn State team is capable of. This is Locked On Nittany Lines. I'm your host, Zach Saka, with special guest Matty Fresh. Matt Fryler. Matt, thanks again for your time. We've recapped Northwestern. We've previewed Michigan a week in advance. And and now we get to focus on the long term of Penn State and where they could finish the season. I, I saw yesterday that there was a report that analysts are putting them in the Orange Bowl. I think it was Brett McMurphy of Action Network had them in the Rose Bowl, which I thought was pretty interesting because that means that Either you expect Penn State to finish above a Michigan, for example, and Ohio I think Ohio State's obviously, is still the clear-cut favorite uh, to win the Big Ten East and the Big Ten Championship, meaning that they would be in the college football playoff. But then a guy like Brett McMurphy, who I respect his work a lot, means that Penn State would basically be the second-best team in the Big Ten, and that's how you get that Rose Bowl invite there. Uh, when When the season started and you started to talk about how this Penn State team, you knew that they were a top 10 team after the game against Purdue. Uh, I didn't know that was the case either, but I thought this team could finish 10-2 and two before the season with Michigan and Ohio State as losses. But now I'm looking at the schedule again, and I think Michigan becomes actually a very winnable game. Ohio State, for me, is still, that's, that's going to be tough, even though it's in Beaver Stadium. I hate that it's not the whiteout. I hate that it's not going to be a night game. That, and that's assumed, folks. Uh, Ed, from what we know about the World Series on Fox and uh, ESPN not picking up the game right away, and since Penn State went ahead and made Minnesota the whiteout, it's kind of safe to say that Fox is going to make this a big noon game between penn state and ohio state and send their broadcast crew over on october 29th uh regardless that atmosphere would have helped against ohio state uh, I'll, I'll still take it because it's a fun time and Minnesota's a lot better than they've been expected to be but now i see penn state finishing 11 and one because i i still can't bring myself uh, i i know it's still weeks away but i can't bring myself to put the nittany lines over the buckeyes right now uh do, do they have a chance at 12-0? Is it, is it even possible this season, Matt?
1: Well, listen, everybody's going to accuse of, of homerism, and I'm sure a lot of the people listening to this podcast are Penn State fans anyway, so I don't really care. I'm, I'm going to say it. I When healthy, there are maybe five or six teams in the country uh, that could beat Penn State right now. And those are Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Clemson, and, and you could probably throw Tennessee in there, right? Uh, I I would like to say that even though it's not a whiteout game, that a lot of people are going to be in white anyway on October 29th. I think,
0: I think it's supposed to be um, the stripeout. You don't think the stripeout's going to affect Ohio State the same way at a noon kick?
1: <laughs> see, I got a pretty strong take on that. I don't understand why Penn State Athletics did this right? Because you had, I understand corporate sponsorships, right? And we remember back in 2016, (laughs) our sophomore year, that a second whiteout happened against Iowa, right? Because James Franklin called for it a few weeks after they pulled off the Miracle against Ohio State. And it became a second whiteout. And I don't think athletics, Was too happy about that because I think the corporate sponsorships are in play, and there's a lot of things that maybe we don't know about on the surface where you can't do a second whiteout. If you would have let that game open and not said it's a stripe out or not given it a theme and just said, Hey, we're playing Ohio State, it becomes your second whiteout, right? And Urban Meyer has even said himself how many points it's worth, right, for that state to be in a whiteout. Yeah. Um, let me just say, I think we mopped the floor with Minnesota. Minnesota's not a good football team, guys. Everybody's been talking about Minnesota all year. I'm tired of it. You talk about a bad schedule with Michigan. Minnesota was arguably even worse. They played nobody either. And Michigan State is down this year. They're, not a, big, they're a team that fell back down earth and crashed back down to earth. Yep. Minnesota is not going to win the Big Ten West. Minnesota is not that great of a football team. We all finally saw it against Purdue. I don't worry about Minnesota. The only reason I'd worry about Minnesota is because this team has a tradition of not bouncing back very well. So if you do lose against Michigan, maybe that becomes a problem. But Kirk Shiroka introduced his offense to Penn State already, so they're not going to be fooled by anything. That's a good point. Um, that's good interesting spot right, for Shiroka to come back in. I'm sure he's going to have his guys fired up in the whiteout, as one Matt Limegrover did, vice versa, right? When Penn State played against Minnesota and it was a big deal with Limegrover Grover being at both schools as the O line coach. And now we get the same thing with Shiraka. So always an interesting dynamic against against Minnesota. Listen, we're faster, we're bigger, we're stronger. I would say we win that game forty to seven. But you look at Ohio State. Let me ask you, does Penn State have a better chance to beat Michigan or Ohio State?
0: I think they have a better chance against Michigan, if I'm being honest. That's my opinion. And I though. think
1: that's I think that's a consensus, right? And I'll play devil's advocate. And I'll just say that if you play Michigan close and you stay healthy and you come into your whiteout and you don't let that get to you, even if it's a loss, you take care of business with Minnesota, I think that there's a ton of momentum. And I don't think we're going to end up getting the same result as we did in the 2016 season, but I do think that this schedule has paralleled it right, in almost about every way. And remember, that's a season that Penn State took their lumps. They lost a pit in the non-conference and then took a lump at Michigan, a big blowout loss, yeah. before they responded and, and ran the table. Um, I I just feel like C.J. Stroud playing in front of that kind of crowd. Remember, he's not faced a uh, – I'll say a whiteout. Let's just say a, a Penn State. It's going to be louder. Yeah, it will be. Or just as loud, or just as, loud as Minnesota. Yeah. Right? Uh, people might not realize that. They think maybe the whiteout – um, is going to be louder. It's, it's going to be louder at Ohio State, right? That's no secret. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. It's going to be louder. Um, so C.J. Stroud has never faced that. And that's going to be really tough for him. Uh, it was tough for Dwayne Haskins. He escaped it. It's been tough for a lot of the um, Ohio State quarterbacks over the years. Obviously, J.T. Barrett had fits with it. So Justin Fields never had to face it, right? No, nope. empty empty, cause,
0: empty cause stadium. The the, cutout, the cutouts didn't bring the same noise.
1: Exactly. So, yeah, you put C.J. Stroud in front of that crowd and you match it up with a secondary like that, that's going to be interesting with Jackson Smith and Jigba not really playing much at the beginning of the season. right? And that's going to be his first real test. Um, So I would play devil's advocate and say it's about 50-50, which one of those games you have a better chance in. Now, obviously, history would tell you that Penn State will lose to Michigan, then they will lose to Minnesota if this goes anything like the last, you know, eight years. How many years?
0: Yeah, exactly. Because you bring up that, uh, that Sean Clifford's a streaky quarterback. Well, James Franklin in this program are streaky programs because the second they lose a close game that they felt they should have won, they come up and they follow it. They follow it up with a even bigger loss, Ohio state to Michigan state. Uh, And then Iowa to last year, Illinois, even with the bye week in between like, they, they need this Michigan game uh, to set, and that's and that's what happened against uh, Ohio State. Look what happened in 2016 when they beat Ohio State, and they just went on the winning streak until they ended up losing the Rose Bowl against USC, which is basically a home field advantage for the Trojans that year. Um, but if they lose the game to Michigan, uh, yeah, it does make me worried for, uh, for Minnesota. It, it really does because of what history has shown us.
1: And think about it. On the flip side. You take care of business, you handle Michigan, and everybody kind of looks at the final score and and says, wow, maybe we just had the wrong idea about this game, kind of like they did against Auburn. Um, Obviously, two very different opponents. I'm not comparing the two. I'm just saying I think people thought that was going to be a very close game. It was not. So Penn State will be a top-five team if they beat Michigan, right? I think they would probably beat Fringe, Six or seven, I don't hold weight into those AP rankings. I'm talking about even in Vegas, they'd be favored against, um, only, only an underdog to four teams in the country possibly at that point against a spread. But can you imagine the electric factory that that Minnesota whiteout will be if you get six and O healthy key, he, healthy Penn State in a whiteout game? Wow. I mean, for those of you who can go as far back as 2002 Nebraska, you're talking about a celebration, a party, a game that was just from start to finish a lot of fun. That Minnesota game would have that potential. And that's where I kind of see, okay, maybe it's better to have a blowout in your whiteout game or a game that you're going to outmatch your opponent than it is to constantly lose by one in your whiteout or lose a close game, right? Um Maybe it was the right move. We'll have to see. But it all begins this, you know, upcoming game against Michigan. It's going to tell us a lot about the season.
0: Zach. well, it's Friday, October seventh, and Michigan still sucks, uh, and they and they suck on this podcast <laughs> too. On Locked On Nittany Lions. Hey, Matt, I want I want to thank you so much for your time on the on the show today, and it was very insightful for uh, to continue to get that expanded Penn State perspective.
1: Yeah, and let me just say to end it, you know, this series used to be terrible growing up I think Penn State lost nine or ten straight uh I think the first whiteout game I ever went to would have been uh 2006 with Mike Hart just running down Penn State's throat uh series used to be very one-sided I think 2009 in the big house with Daryl Clark was the first time Penn State had beaten Michigan in like 10 years at that point um or or maybe even before that but it used to be very one-sided. It's been pretty even. And I think that over the Franklin and Harbaugh eras, especially, it's been just a battle. And it flipped from the home team always winning this game to now the away team, right? (laughs) The last couple of years has been able to take advantage of this series. So that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. I know trends from years past don't matter, but I am just so looking forward to this game. This is this is what you love about college football, right? Forget the playoff picture. Forget who's going to what bowl game. Forget the transfer portal and NIL. This is college football. Michigan and Penn State, heavyweight matchup. It's going to be incredible college football at its highest level, and I can't wait to watch it, and I hope our Nanny Lions can sneak out a win.
0: Truly at its finest. Uh, Matty Fresh, ladies and gentlemen. Matt, thanks so much for your time on this show. Thanks, Zach. This is Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Zach Sako, and I will be back on Monday. Uh, We started the Michigan hate week a little early, but it's official when we (laughs) go next week, uh, and everything's status quo. We'll have the scouting report from Michigan, a crossover later on in the week, uh, and it'll be all exciting as we further preview the Nittany Lions and the Wolverines. Know what your team is up against across the Big Ten with Locked On Big Ten. Everyday host Nate Dickinson and the local experts of Locked On take you across the Big Ten in 30 minutes. Make Locked On Big Ten your second listen. That's Locked On Big Ten.